Welcome to Debutiful. My name is Adam Vitcavage, and this is a podcast where you can discover debut authors through in-depth interviews about their life, their creativity, their craft, and everything in between. If you like what you hear here, you can support Debutiful by buying a Debutiful t-shirt at debutiful.net slash shop. You can also follow us at Debutiful on all social medias like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, maybe even Pinterest one day. Today's guest has written for numerous places like Vice, Slate, Out, W, Atlas Obscura, Broadly, L, and elsewhere. He is an alumnus of the Breadloaf's Writers Conference. His debut novel, Yes Daddy, is out now. He lives in Los Angeles with his partner. His name is Jonathan Parks Ramage. Hey, Jonathan. How are you doing today? Oh, it's good. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, I... I feel like things are starting to open up here in Los Angeles. And so that is, we're starting to breathe a sigh of relief while also, you know, holding in our hearts the fact that we need to work to get the entire world vaccinated, which yeah, I it's, is an important charge. The next big thing, it's interesting seeing how few of my relatives don't want to be vaccinated. <laughs> um, like back east in like rural Pennsylvania, like I'm, and I'm just uh, like, oh, yes. hmm. interesting. Well, I'm vaccinated, so when you guys get vaccinated, okay, we'll hang out. Um, it's just interesting <laughs> to see. You may never see them again. I may never see them again. Um, your book came out kind of right when everything was reopening, ish. Like it came out in well, mid-May, when vaccines were available, people can go to bookstores to buy books again. Um, how, are th- how was the reception? How, how are you doing like a month or two weeks after a book release? Yeah, um, I'm doing great. The response has been so overwhelming and amazing. And it has been fun, you know, to don my mask and go into my local bookstores and see it on the shelves, like a literal dream come true. And I I also have just loved, uh, I mean, it's so, you work on something for so long and it's so private and it's just like, just you and this book. And then it's you and your editor and your agent in this book, but still the, the sphere of people is so small. So it feels so good to finally have it out in the world and just be connecting with um, so many people who, uh, uh, you know, see themselves reflected in this um, and see themselves in what I've written and to be able to connect with those people has been just such an incredible gift. And I think evidence that the book is doing the work that I hoped it could do in the world. And your debut is Yes Daddy. Tell readers, for those who don't know, what Yes Daddy is about. Yes. Um, So Yes Daddy is about a young, broke, aspiring writer. Uh, He moves to New York City. He's working a shitty job, waiting tables at a gay restaurant. And he meets this much older, wealthy, famous playwright. And he at first thinks that this daddy essentially is going to be the answer to all of his prayers. Um, But then the older writer... Uh, invites him out for a summer on his Hamptons compound where things take uh, an extremely dark turn. Um, And Jonah, the younger uh, writer, is drawn into a web of sexual abuse and assault. So it gets dark. (laughs) Yeah, it is a a fairly dark book. And and like you said, 
there's a lot that people can connect with. This is unfortunately these type of relationships aren't common, but are common enough that people can obviously connect. Where did the idea for Yes Daddy come from? Did you know it would turn dark or did that happen as you were writing it? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, you know, I always say that the book is personal, but not autobiographical. Um, And for me, I think it was almost a way of kind of exploring my own early 20s, like through kind of metaphor and fiction uh, in a way. And I think that, you know, I was lost in many ways that Jonah, the protagonist, uh, is lost. I was working at a shitty job at a gay restaurant, waiting tables, being sexually harassed on a daily basis. I was dating much older, uh, wealthier, famous men and kind of losing myself in those relationships. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until years later that I kind of looked back and reflected and and realized kind of how lost I was and the, the inequities in the power dynamics in those. I mean, even though I entered them willingly and consentingly, that once you're inside a relationship with someone who has so much more power than you do, um, things can get twisted. Um, so, so I think that was kind of the initial kernel of, of the idea. I also wanted to create an LGBTQ narrative of sexual assault because I feel like we still see so few of those um, represented. Um, but you know, as I was writing this, I started writing it in 2016 before, you know, the Me Too movement exploded, obviously, with Harvey Weinstein and became, again, a lot of kind of uh, national media attention. Um, and so interestingly, as I was writing this, kind of the, the Me Too movement really took off. And that added another layer to what I was writing. Um, and it kind of gave me the idea to have the book happen in essentially two, two big uh, chunks, essentially. One in 2009 and then one in 2017, right around the time where the Me Too movement takes off. And the, the narrator looks back on this traumatic experience that he's had and kind of looks at it through, through a different lens. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of how the personal and the political kind of collided, um, you know, while I was writing this book. Prior to the Me Too movement and you adding that new timeline where he's, where Jonah's looking back, um, what was the shape of the book going to be then? Was it just going to take place in the like early 2000s? Yeah, I mean that's kind of that's kind of the idea that I that I had at the start, um, just because that was the time period where I was living in New York, and so I knew the milieu. I just I just knew that I could draw from my personal experience, and I knew that it would that it would help me kind of imbue it with authenticity. Um, yeah, so that was really kind of the initial impetus, and and so the book really took on. I mean, it, it, I wrote it over the course of probably three to four years, I guess. Um, 
And so, so it really was kind of an, an ever evolving document um, and a kind of ever shifting uh, narrative. Um, so yeah, kept me busy. <laughs> Were you into it far before you realized you needed to add or wanted to add 2017? And was there a lot of reshaping you had to do or did it kind of just flow naturally once you realized you wanted to piece it together that way? Um, there was, I mean, it's interesting. The book went through many drafts. There, it, there was kind of a, a, a reshaping in that, I guess the second major draft of the book was, uh, was all done in letters. So I was essentially using a 2017 narrative as a framing device for the narrator writing to uh, Mace, writing to this other character who was also a victim. And um, just using that as a framing device. And actually my editor, publishing house, who suggested that we kind of divide the books and really flesh out scenes in 2017, as opposed to using them as this framing device to really flesh those out and build kind of the second half of the narrative. And that was one of the most brilliant edits. And I love my editor. And, um, you know, I think that really helped it feel alive in the moment. So rather than a constant reflection, it was, you know, we're just living in the moment with this character, um, first in 2009, then in 2017. You so, mentioned yeah. how, you mentioned how Jonah's story is reflected of yours, not autobiographical, just similar feelings and, and moments maybe. And this may be too personal, so tell me if you want to skip it and then I'll edit it out. But was your reason for like dating older wealthy men and getting into like these shitty situations similar to Jonah's or do you two differ in that way? Um, you know, I think that I was in older relation. I, I think I was in relationships with older men because I thought that that would be the answer to my ambition, to my desire for love, to my desire for direction and identity. So I do think that a lot of the reasons that Jonah gets into a relationship with older men were actually similar to reasons that I did. I think that, you know, when I moved to New York, I was working in this restaurant, which is very similar to the restaurant in the book, where it was, um, you know, patronized by mainly white, wealthy white gay men. Um, and it was kind of like an upscale gay hooters where we were sexually harassed um, by not only the patrons, but also kind of in a more intense way by our, the owner of the restaurant. So, and in that context, I mean, through the restaurant, I met a lot of older wealthy gay men. And so I, it was kind of my first um, foray into gay culture in New York. And so I just thought that this is what it was. Um, and I think it kind of like in a weird way taught me to seek validation from older, wealthier, more powerful figures. Um, and it, it didn't teach me to love myself, which I think is the most important thing. Um, you know, I think that the ultimate lesson years later that I took is like, you have to be your own daddy, honey, because if you're looking to someone, and that's not, I mean, that's no, no shade to people who are in healthy, uh, you know, consenting relationships with older men. I don't think that there's anything inherently toxic about 
a daddy dynamic, whether it's in a love relationship or kind of a kink context, like go for it, live your truth, honey. Um, but I also say that there is the potential for kind of toxicity to creep in because of the power imbalance. And if you're in that relationship for the wrong reasons, if you are really looking for someone to take care of you, I think that that becomes an issue because I think it's, it's, I learned that I just needed to love myself. I needed to take care of myself and not seek that um, care from someone I was in a romantic relationship with, because then you do give them a lot of power and you take power away from yourself. Was that realization something that the book helped you with or did you come to that prior to writing the book and then the book is your response to that realization? Um, it took me many years <laughs> to figure out that lesson and many failed relationships um, <laughs> that I kept going back to. I mean, it was truly a string of, um, of men in my early to mid 20s really and then I kind of took a break and started dating my peers and I went through a really bad breakup and then kind of went back to my old kind of daddy habits um uh, even while I was writing this book and so I think that um it it definitely helped me just I think metabolize everything that had kind of happened in my past um and kind of metabolize that chapter of my life. Um, and, and so, so yeah, I mean, and it's even, I mean, I talked about, I've talked about this book in therapy as well and kind of examined the ways that, you know, I, I might be working through, again, it's a fictional narrative, but that I might be working through my personal, uh, hangups, patterns, um, traumas uh, through this fictional lens. A common theme that's come up in my conversations with debut authors especially is the idea of many books are, many debut books are obviously drawn from personal experience because it's, you've been writing it for five, 10 years sometimes, like authors. Yes. And and a question I've asked many times is, was writing this therapeutic or was it triggering and some writers answer one way or the other. They're like, I don't even think of it that way. How do you, how did, I guess you brought up how you talked about it in therapy. Was writing it therapeutic yeah. or was it triggering, which is why you had to bring it up in therapy? <laughs> um, I think it was therapeutic. I think that, I think what, what, what therapy helped me with was realizing the ways that I was, I was working through questions I was exploring about my own life. Um, therapy kind of helped bring those to the surface in in ways that they might have kind of been buried in my subconscious. But I also think that, you know, while writing can be therapeutic, it's also not a substitute for therapy. Um, You know, I think that if you're writing, and I wouldn't say that this was like, like super um, triggering or for me to, to write. um, But I do also think that if you are writing something that's really difficult or really close to you, or has like happened in the very recent past, like I do think it's important to kind of be in therapy alongside um, your writing practice, because yeah, if you're leaning just on the writing for the therapy, I don't think you're probably, you might find yourself in a kind of intense situation. <laughs> and you, you, you kind of mentioned the timeline of this of writing list. You started around 2016, um, and the book takes place in the 
early 2000s, which is when you said you were kind of in the New York scene. Um, was that time in between, did you want to write this book prior to 2016, but needed the space or did it kind of just unfold like almost a decade later from when you were in New York? Um, you know, I, I thought about different ways to approach this era of my life. Like when I first started writing professionally, I did a lot of like personal essays and like, I don't know, I was like, I figured out how to be a writer on the internet, quite frankly, which is like growing up in public as you know, I'm sure there's some really, I know there's some really just bad, poorly written articles by me somewhere on the internet, but hopefully the Google search results have just pushed them down. Um, but, you know, I think that I, I had, I had, I had the idea to like kind of explore this era through, I think, like a personal essay um, or maybe even like memoir, but I also didn't, I, I, I never really found a way in. Um, and then after doing, you know, after really kind of working my way up, um, you know, from doing, you know, stupid clickbaity stuff for websites to then kind of more um, intensive actual journalistic pieces. Um, you know, I really kind of evolved as a writer online. Um, I, I said, you know what, I think I want to try a book and I think I want it to be fictional. Um, because, you know, when you're working with memoir, you're really obviously tied to facts, but I feel like in many ways, fiction can get at deeper truths than memoir can in certain contexts um, because you're not, you don't have to adhere to facts and you can kind of get at kind of a more resonant maybe spiritual truth that is not, you know, driven by, by facts. Also, I've been doing journalism for so long, I kind of wanted to do fiction. Yeah, <laughs> and as someone, as someone who has written journalism and has grown up online writing, basically, what was shifting to fiction like for you? Did it come naturally or, or, or was it like a whole new medium? You know, I think that I, I, I the, the kind of, and it's, I haven't, I haven't done, um, nonfiction in a in a while. Probably the last piece I did was maybe twenty nineteen. Um, but by the end, by the end there, I mean I, I was writing for online for like maybe five years, and by the end I was doing like long form reported um, essayistic uh, pieces, which I, I which I loved doing. Um, and I think that in those long form pieces, I was already moving towards a more novelistic, I mean, obviously always sticking to the facts, but I was, I was really inspired by, you know, creative nonfiction that, that had a, a tone that was maybe more novelistic um, and uh, as opposed to just straight down the line, you know, reporting. Um, and so, I, I did a few pieces that were kind of long form, but also incorporated, um, you know, the I and incorporated um, myself, my own perspective. Um, and so I, I feel like that as a writer, those kind of prepped me um, for thinking about structure and style and, um, and, and kind of prepped me for transitioning to novel writing. And I, I mean, I'd written actually in my early twenties, I'd written some very not successful short fiction. Um, I think that 
I think, you know, in my 20s, I, I think I, I understood style, I guess. And so I wrote these kind of very weird, experimental, stylistically daring stories that weren't really about anything. Um, and so they were, you know, never published, thank God. Um, but I think that finally, years later, and like like I said, I was like living through my early 20s so that I had no perspective on what I was going through, really. Like, I think that perspective, the time affords you perspective. And so finally, when I got, when I came back all those years later to deciding to write a novel, I finally had something to write about. Um, and I think that my nonfiction work had also helped me at least begin to develop a prose style that I could ultimately work with in the novel. And because Yes Daddy was something that you needed time to reflect on and then it eventually you found the right way to tell the story, what are you, what are you kind of interested in talking about now and writing about now? Do you know, or is it something that you might want to write about, but it may take years to finally get there? Like in terms of what I want to do next? Yeah, I mean, next or just what, what you may want to do. I mean, it doesn't have to be the actual, yeah. actual project you're working on because, you know, I don't want to jinx anything. I, well, I am working on, I'm working on another novel. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I thought like, well, surely I've written one novel. So now I just know what it takes to write a novel. But the twist is each novel is its very own journey and filled with its very own unique surprises and challenges. And I think that um, for me, I think some people kind of return to the same subject and the same style. And, you know, some people do that very well. Some people do it in kind of in a cynical way just to, you know, create a quote unquote brand. Um, you know, that runs all sort of the gamut. Um, but for me personally, I think that I'm always interested in new territory. Um, and so I'm writing something which is like, I mean, it explores, I guess, some similar similar themes kind of, but I don't know, it's pretty, it's pretty different. Um, all I will say is that it's kind of a mashup of horror, sci-fi, dystopian and utopian genres um and it's very queer i guess what i think ties all my work together is is queerness i mean as someone who's a gay man i just um and very embedded in queer culture i just that's kind of all i'm i guess interested in writing about i don't know i i i am I'm not going to write a Sally Rooney novel, honey. <laughs> no shade to Sally Rooney, but you know, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm interested in, I think, queer subjects. So I do think that that's something that regardless of kind of what I experiment with in terms of genre or theme that I think, I mean, you know, never say never, but I think I will always be drawn to queerness in my work. Um, so yeah. And the new novel is just, it's too, I got to protect it. It's a zygote. So I, I have to like protect it in my little brain and like let it breathe and nurture it in my tiny little creative novel terrarium. Are there, are, are you interested in going back to long form journalism? Is that something you're going to keep doing or are you going to shift away from that? I don't know. I mean, I think that it's just about time. Um, I think that if the right piece kind of presented itself, it's kind of, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, doing, 
doing online writing and online journalism, I mean, I did that for a while and honey, it is just, part of it is just the hustle. Like, oh my God, you gotta, it's like, it's so, it's exhausting. I think the hustle, I found the work really satisfying, but also with long form, you have to find, it took me a while to find an outlet that could sustain the type of long form writing that I wanted to do in a way that made financial sense for me. So I'm not writing, you know, a meticulously reported 6,000 word um, article uh, that I'm spending months on for $200. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's really, it's really hard to make a living online as a writer. And so I think I also got kind of like burnt out. Um, but I, I mean, I love, I mean, I love the nonfiction space. Um, and I love kind of playing it with it in creative ways. And I definitely would be open to returning to it um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As someone who loves nonfiction and then uh, queer literature, what, what have you been reading that's been exciting you recently? Mm, yes. Well, this giant oh. tome. Uh, oh, for those, none of you can see what I'm holding up, but it is, <laughs> let, let the record show, um, which is uh, uh, Political History of ACT UP in New York in the mm. early days of eight. And as, uh, as you held it up, oh, sorry, as you held it up, I like, I turned to go grab my copy, but then I was thinking, oh, no one's going to see that because like mine is like a foot and a half away <laughs> from me. Uh, yes, but sorry, uh, act yeah. up, it is, let the record show is I'm yeah. about, I'm only a hundred pages in and I just, I'm like, it's so dense and so well reported and so informational, yes. but it's beautiful. Incredible. I mean, yeah. And, and, and we shared a book birthday, which was, I felt very honored, um, to share a book birthday with Sir Shulman. And, um, what else have I read recently? Uh, Detransition Baby. I absolutely loved um, by Tori Peters absolutely blew my mind. My, I mean, probably my favorite novel that I've read in, in recent uh, memory. I just absolutely tore through that one. Um, and then books that I read that really influenced this book, I mean, I would say Edinburgh by Alexander Chi is like a really wonderful moving portrait of abuse that happens to a queer man and kind of the echoes of trauma across a lifetime. Um, Carmen Maria Machado in The Dream House, absolutely incredible memoir that experiments with genre in a way which I love because I love genre and experimenting with genre and, and kind of subverting genre. And she does such incredible things with the memoir. Um, Chanel Miller, Know My Name, uh, is an incredible nonfiction book um, by, uh, Chanel Miller, who, who who basically recounts her kind of horrific experience in the American justice system, trying to get some sort of shred of justice for um, you know her own sexual assault case, um, and kind of all the intensity and trauma that comes along with that. Um, so those are just a few, um, but yeah, that's what's inspiring. With, with- with something like the rec- let the record show and your background in long form journalism is a long form meticulously reported nonfiction book in your future? Or are you not even thinking about things like that? No, I mean, I I definitely would I would be open to it. Um, again, it just comes down to a question of 
the subject matter. I'm so kind of deep in this novel right now that I'm reluctant to engage another intensive project, but nonfiction definitely isn't off the table. I just think it is, it is finding that subject that feels urgent enough um, for me to explore and, and also feeling finding that subject that I feel like I can bring a necessary voice to it, if that makes sense. I mean, part of what makes Let the Record Show so incredible is it's her deep involvement in that community and her deep experience within that community. So, you know, I think that it's also, yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely open to nonfiction in the future. I think it's just finding the right thing at the right time. Thank you, Jonathan, for joining the podcast today. If you enjoyed what you heard here with Jonathan talking about his debut novel, Yes, Daddy, you can check him out on Instagram at jprampage. And his website is jonathan-p-r.com. That's jonathan-p-r.com. Pretty simple to find him. Uh, Yes, Daddy is out now via HMH Books. Thank you so much for supporting Day Beautiful. Please visit daybeautiful.net for more book recommendations and author interviews. You can also find me on social media at Day Beautiful for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Everything you can think of, Day Beautiful is there. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful. And you're all beautiful. Beautiful.